You're listening to Broncos for Breakfast with Nick Kendall and Scott Kennedy. Head on over to milehighhuddle.com for all things Broncos. Good morning, Broncos country. Spinning wheel. All right, we got to get Facebook up and running as well before we're officially live. I know some of you guys can see us right now. All our YouTube people, Twitch people, uh, one of our Facebook groups, but we got to get both Facebook groups up because that's what the boss man said. There's the five check marks. All right, guys, welcome in. Welcome in to another episode of Broncos for Breakfast. I am your host, Nick Kendall, along with my co-host, Scott Kennedy. Scott, how are you doing on this fine Thursday morning, July 15th, 2021. I'm doing good. I think I'm doing better than Jay, who is uh, commenting on 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 YouTube. And welcome, Jay. Says he pulled an all-nighter. I'm here. So I'm not sure if Jay knows what time or day it is. He does say good morning. So you're you're doing you're doing better than I would after an all-nighter, <laughs> that's for sure. If I'm up past eleven, I'm in trouble. Uh, US Dave, Buenos Dias. Good morning. Good to see you. We got Dave Glassman in the house as well. Good to see you, Dave. Dropping the uh, the heart and cheers. Uh, Big E Broncos in the house. Good morning. Good morning to you, Big E. DBA, good morning. Go Broncos. And uh, Mike Givens, of course, as well. Good morning, Nick and Scott. Sup, Broncos country. And oh, Jared's in the house. Jared, I don't... Or Jake Gerard. Gerard? Jake Gerard? Probably. Uh, should, BP, should BP be equal to a sack for Shelby Harris? Um, a batted pass. Uh, well, batting yeah. practice. I'm still in baseball mode. Yeah, for sure. Um, Jeremy Sean also in the house. Good morning, fellas. Glad you're not late today, Jeremy. Welcome to being on time. Um, that's what we do here. We're punctual. Um, but uh, let's get to Jake here real quick, and then we'll get into the matters of business introductions, where you guys can follow us, etc. But uh, I think the answer here is a resounding no. Um, a batted pass is not as valuable as a sack because a sack results like a better pass is just an incompletion. Yes. An incompletion is great, but a sack you're talking about a negative play where you're pushing the ball further back. Um, Also you're getting hits on the quarterback. Like I would say even uh, I'd rather get a pressure or a quarterback hit than a batted pass. Even if the pressure or hit results in a completion. I I agree. Cause to me, a batted pass can mean you were taken out of the play. I mean, you you could be you could be stood up, and at least you got something out of it because you got your hands up, but you didn't yeah. get any pressure, you didn't get any penetration. Um, it, there's there's different batted passes for sure. Now, if you're yeah. rushing in and he throws it into you, that's a pressure and a batted pass. So, yeah. um, I, I I agree with you on that, Nick. Yep, uh, it's I mean not, not that uh, batted pass does not have value. Um, if you are stalemated and you can get in the passing lane, you got vines like Shelby Harris does. Um, he does it better than anybody in the game right now, I think, I think he led the league in batted passes last year. So there is some value to that. No doubt about it, but it's, you know, you'd rather have a guy who's getting after the quarterback more. I'd, I'd, I'd sacrifice a couple of batted passes for a few more quarterback hits, quarterback hurries, and maybe even one more sack. Um, if we were uh, getting down to it, but a uh, good question, Jake. And, uh, thank you very much. Also, thank you before we even get into our matters of business, Andrew coming in here with the $5 super, over on YouTube. Thank you very much, Andrew. Good to see you. Good morning. Uh, he says, thank you for making my 23 hour drive to Florida from Oklahoma, much more entertaining. Hashtag get Rogers hashtag Broncos for breakfast rocks. Well, uh, <laughs> Scott, are you much of a dryer? Do you fly everywhere? Cause I'm from the Midwest. And if it's, if it's 16 hours or less, 
it's drivable. Gosh darn it. Uh, our, I, I, ours in Atlanta with the hub here, it was uh, there was a four-hour window. So if it's within four hours, it's faster to drive. I don't mm-hmm. mind driving my limit before I'm ready to do something else. Because, you know, getting it out on the open road is nice. Yeah. Uh, 300 miles. You know, I'm like, oh, you know, I've done it where my family has flown somewhere and I've driven, you know, mm-hmm. and met them down there. So we'd have a car because I didn't mind the drive and, you know, some old time. But after 300 miles, I'm like, all right, I'm ready to do something else. But I've done I've done coast to coast and back. Um, and I recommend it for everybody. So the, the 23 hour drive, I've gone from Atlanta to LA, LA back to Atlanta and then up to, uh, up to New York and back down and, um, and then up to Ohio several times, uh, where my extended family is. So I, I do like driving. I, I really do. Um, but when I was in LA, you, you had to fly everywhere. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Now being from Iowa, everything's drivable. People don't realize how big this country gets once you get west of the Mississippi. It's like, you know, eight hours. I mean, Cincinnati, Ohio from Atlanta in eight hours. Hmm. Eight hours gets you about, yeah, it's only eight hours of I-7, straight up I-75. Wow. Um, you know, no traffic, which which is, you know, harder and harder these days. But, you know, eight yeah. hours, you know, going east might get you into another state in uh, when you're when you're starting out, out west. Yeah, no, totally. I we did the thirty-six hour drive from uh, Davenport, Iowa, to Seattle with a five-month-old puppy, so that was fun. Um, <laughs> Jay coming in again. My friends wanted me to stream The Walking Dead, the game, and I have summer school, so I've been trying to balance. I don't know how much balance that is if there's not sleep there, Jay. You got to get sleep. That's important. But uh, you always want to sacrifice. Uh, caveat. You want to get sleep unless it's during this show. Then sacrifice. Yeah, wake up for this, going. and you know, hopefully, we don't put you to sleep. Yeah. You know, so, yeah. you know, sometimes getting my mind off of stuff, if I turn on a game, even a game I like, it clears my mind completely after 10, I'm out. It's like, oh, I'm going to watch, I'm going to watch uh, soccer. I'm going to watch baseball. I'm going to watch football. Oh, you mean take a nap? Yeah. Yeah. That's what I mean. <laughs> RG saying you guys are the best. Thank you very much, RG. Jamal Killen to the question for Scott. Good morning, fellas. Scott, are you going to the Jacksonville Broncos game? I stay in Georgia. Uh, probably not. My weekends, as far as game time goes, is taken up by my children. So, mm-hmm. uh, uh, both of them play multiple sports. So I, when it comes to, I, I don't mind going, I, I like going to practices. Um, but I'll watch a lot of stuff on, uh, on DVR cause my, my kids both play multiple sports and Saturdays and Sundays are usually taken up by kids. I won't lie. <clears throat> I do miss, uh, the Midwest time zone for some of the sports because I loved get coming home after the bars and, uh, watching pack 12 after dark at like until 3.00 AM. Um, that's not the case anymore out here because I'm in Pac-12 country. But uh, no, that's, I'll stay up. I mean, who doesn't want to watch Washington State versus UCLA go first one to 60-point wins? Well, when uh, I was out west, I always said if I ever come back east, if there's something I really want to watch, I'll probably record it and watch it at 6 a.m. Yeah. You know, I, I'm not staying up past midnight to watch the end of a game. I'm lucky if I make it past 1030. So, you know, those <laughs> those 9 o'clock start times – I'm not seeing the end of that one on uh, night. I'll, I'll, I'll know it before anybody else gets up. Cause I'll get up and watch it on, on DVR. Yeah. I was thinking of you yesterday when uh, Chad messaged our group saying, what's the content, uh, the topic tomorrow. And I was like, Oh, there's no way. Yeah. He's, <laughs> he's dead to the world. Uh, Jamal coming in here, not dead to the world. Good morning, fellas, Scott. Oh yes. Okay. Uh, Peter Middleton. Uh, hello, Nick and Scott enjoying a cheeky drink in Cambodia. Let us know what you're doing. And also Peter, thank you very much. Here's some stars for the great content. As always, you're the best. And uh, he also said, oh, he had another one here. Did a great job on Thursday by himself. And he says, uh, Scott, you are refreshing. It's been refreshing to have you on Broncos for breakfast, which I agree. It's been a lot of fun. 
so far. Uh, hopefully the season is beneficial to all of us as well. The Broncos being good. Um, but uh, we'll see. We got Mr. Sir McLovin in the house saying good morning, Broncos fellows. We got Dale in the house. Morning, guys. Ken Booker. I drove to North Carolina to Denver. That's a long drive. Mo Ron. Uh, morning, Nick and Scott. Great to see you. Great to see you. Swink McLeod. I've been driving between Los Angeles and Colorado and back 25 times. Still like it better than flying. Well, there you go. Chase, our meme master. I just drove to a jam band festival from Montana to Pennsylvania last week. 30 hours. Chase, that is a, that's some commitment there. What are you, a deadhead or something? Following them around. That's, that's a pretty hardcore. Um, and then we got our star master coming in here. Uh, the most entertaining crew on MHH. Man, Gary, thank you so much. That's so nice. And thank you for the stars. Peter also say nice stars. You're also right. They're so entertaining. Well, that's good because we do try to be entertaining, but uh, above everything else, we try to give you guys good information and be right. Right? Like if, you, if we can be entertaining during that, that's that's Nirvana. But uh, we want to make sure you guys are getting good information. Um, so let's get to this real quick. Um Chad put up the huddle up background here, so I'm not going to flash the screen with uh, Broncos for breakfast, but you guys can follow uh, Scott and myself on Twitter, uh, Scott at Scout Kennedy and myself at Nick Kendall MHH. While you're over there, follow us at huddle up pod um, at uh, Broncos for breakfast. Is it BFB for breakfast? Chad put up the wrong one. I don't have the Twitter handles uh, memorized myself, um, but we'll f- figure it out. Um, follow on one of us. You'll find us. You'll you'll, yeah. you'll you won't miss much. Exactly. Especially um, him. Yeah. The hard part with Nick is, is making sure you filter it out with me that I've got a few Twitter handles. So you follow this one. You won't miss a Broncos for breakfast. There you go. Yeah, absolutely. Um, not verified. I'm not that cool, but uh, that's okay. Um, if Thank you also for everybody joining us on Facebook today. We got only six reactions so far. Zebulon dropping the, uh, the wow or Kevin as uh, Scott likes to call him. Uh, we also got the heart reacts coming in here. Uh, early artists, Jacob, Ken, Gary Leeds Palmer, and a like from Jamal Killing. So if you guys can do that, that'd be a lot of help. Give us a like, give us a care react, a wow react, a heart react. Love them all. Um, while you're over there, facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle pod and facebook.com forward slash mile high huddle. Follow us there. Join the groups. Uh, join the conversation. It's a lot of fun. Our number one uh, audience is on YouTube. Uh, and if you guys are joining us on YouTube today, thank you. And while number you're there, one in numbers, not in our hearts. Yeah, everybody's the same. It's like, yeah. I love all my children, uh, but you too. <laughs> but, you're, but you're my favorite. <laughs> no, it's I love you all. <laughs> um, but, but if you guys are joining us on YouTube today, subscribe, like, and share. That can help us a heck of a lot. I know not everybody's in a position to give stars or be a super chat person um, like Andrew Morrow and Peter Middleton and Gary Leeds Palmer have been so far. That's fine. But you can like subscribing to this show. Uh, it's completely free. Helps us a heck of a lot. And also, guys, while you're over on YouTube, follow Scott's channel. Scott, the season is right around the corner. Um, and Scott's going to have a lot of great football content uh, for everybody here, not just Broncos, but a much more uh, bigger scope. But of course, if the people ask for the Broncos, Scott will oblige. So youtube.com forward slash C forward slash Scott Kennedy. And I will also drop the, uh, the auto sub link in the chat right now. So that way you guys don't even have to do anything. Just click it. Just go. What are you doing? What are you doing with the rest of your day? Are you going to go up and get another cup of coffee? Might as well click the link at the same time. Also, um, Michael coming in. Good morning, Nick and Scott from Broncos for breakfast. Um, and we got the ooh, $25 super coming in from Kyle. Kyle, it's been a second. Hope you're doing well. Um, good morning, guys. Haven't made a live show in a one, uh, live one in a while. That's exactly right. Work schedule got changed. Go Broncos. Well, Kyle, we're happy to have you in the here and now, and, uh, really appreciate the, the very generous, uh, super there off the gate. If you have any uh, questions for us, uh, please make sure you ask, we'll get to it. But, uh, 
very, very helpful. Um, also, we got Michael Ronquillo coming in here um, with the superstars, I believe, there. Uh, I, Peter Middleton will let me know one way or another. So mm-hmm. um, there we go. Uh, Peter saying, uh, as far as Scott uh, Scott's page, subscription is definitely the way to go. This show and the subscriber shows are worth far more. See, Peter, I you say that. But I'm in other shows, so I don't know what you're saying here. Like, <laughs> no, um, I just want to give you a hard time. Um, but uh, yeah, thank you very much for, for the con- uh, the comments, Peter. We appreciate it also um, just everybody, man. We're getting, I know it's the dead season right now, uh, dead season, but uh, really getting people in here and talking to us and everything and taking the time, it means a heck of a lot. So, uh, Scott, today we had our last Tuesday. We had a lot of comments about, oh, what about the interior defensive line? Blah, blah, blah. While we were talking about the edge rushing position. And uh, you guys wanted it. We're going to talk about it today. So the Broncos interior defensive line. Um, off, off of first viewing, Scott, what do you think? Well, I think uh, I think there's right to be some questions there. You know, when mm-hmm. we start looking at secondary, sorted, linebackers, if it's not the best group, it's pretty close with the secondary. Move up to the, the front three. Hmm. Now, now, now I think there's, there starts becoming a, a lot more questions and, you know, if we're going to start in the interior, we can start dead in the middle of, uh, you know, Mike Purcell, six, three pushing 330 pounds, a little bit of a journeyman before he comes in, uh, mm-hmm. you know, how locked in is he there at, at that position? Is, is he somebody you can count on to do a job? Because when you're, when you're three, four, it's, it's maybe the most unglamorous position in all of football uh, outside of the, spe- you know, special teams. As a, as a three four nose guard, three four uh, nose tackle, right there, because his job is just to hold blockers. That's it. it. It's it's not to get penetration. If you can, great. That's just a bonus. It's not even yeah. to make tackles. It's to just plug up holes and, and occupy space. So you know you're never going to have the stats there for him. But how good is he? You 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 tell me. Are you are you secure with Mike Purcell and uh, and uh, McTelvin Ahim right there as your two guys on the interior line? Yeah, uh, I, I like Mike Purcell. Um, I am definitely in the camp of unless you have a unicorn, it's probably a position that you should do exactly what the Broncos did. You find a journeyman, you find a plug, and you play them for two, three years, and then you move on. A lot of these guys with these bigger body types, they do tend to fall off uh, pretty quickly. That's just too much weight for many bodies to handle. I mean, we kind of saw that with uh, Terrence Knighton, uh, pot roast, while the Broncos were playing more of a 4-3 then. Um Kind of just fell off. Uh, but Mike Purcell, my, the biggest concern for me is the injury he's coming off of. I know that he's been uh, detailing it and coming back, uh, but uh, that Liz Frank injury is serious. Um, the Bronco fans will remember that's what uh, Ryan Clady suffered um, in 20. Oh, I think it would have been 2014. Um, maybe it was 2013, but uh, he was never the same after that. Like Ryan Clady was one of the top three offensive tackles in football, suffered that Liz Frank injury out of the what league a few years later it's uh it's a band on your foot um okay. so it's it's snapped so uh, i'll i'll pull up a picture for it's, my it's uh, one of those things what is it plantar fasciitis or however you say it it just doesn't sound like much it's like yeah my arch hurts but it's debilitating i mean it's it it, it will end your season and it and it's reoccurring it's almost as bad as pulling a hamstring <laughs> yeah it's a uh, it's a ligament um on your foot it looks like it connects your what should be like your index toe the one next to the big one um on the inside of that so uh, i'll pull up a picture here real quick we're gonna get really medical um i guess today so uh for, for science right that's that's what we're doing it for um but uh yeah he suffered a uh liz frank injury he's been detailing it and uh getting healthier but you can see it 
right there and that ligament snapped and uh that can that can zap a lot of players um it can ruin some mobility so uh that is that is concerning for him long term i thought that before that injury considering he was a journeyman um had played for vic fangio before i think way back in san francisco uh during those days early in his career um he's also a local kid uh which is pretty cool um i think he played at wyoming and is from colorado somebody can correct me there um if i'm wrong but uh he's he's talented for what he is i don't know if he's actually super duper valuable considering how you can find those guys um but he is valuable in a sense that without him and we saw it last year uh when he went down the run defense the integrity of that defensive line to hold up in the run game uh dropped pretty dramatically so uh he's one that if you don't have him it hurts uh, but he is somewhat of a replaceable talent in a, a grand scheme of things, just maybe not in the short term. Well, and I think the good news is if he, he comes back, is is that's definitely not a mobility position. I mean, no, don't get me wrong. You you, you have yeah. to have plus First. mobility to play in the NFL, period. Okay. Yeah. So, but as far as if you're a, a 4 3 defensive tackle, that is almost the same. That's why we're talking about interior line across all three positions. Yeah. That's a similar body type and skill set as a 3 4 end. So we've talked about it before, old man strength. You know, mm-hmm. that, that's a strength position. Yeah. So he's not necessarily, you know, if that, that injury happens to a, a, a quick twitch guy, like a corner or running back, it scares me more than happened to an interior lineman who should theoretically get better with age as he gets stronger. Not, you know, 40, but, you know, as he's approaching 30, 32, 33 years old, should be as effective as he's been in his career, which bodes well for Mike Purcell, assuming he can play pain-free. Yeah, and the other thing about Mike Purcell is how often is he actually going to be on the field? What's his rotation look like? Because the Broncos are a team that their their base is 3-4, but how often are you going to actually be in 3-4, especially with the Broncos' investment in the cornerback position? They're talking about playing four cornerbacks on the field at a time, and uh Obviously, there'll be times when they take off linebackers in favor of a secondary player, but Purcell's one going to be one of the first guys off the field as well. In my yeah, opinion. I, I think I think base three four sounds right though. As you go to a nickel pack, even if you go to a nickel with four defensive linemen, you're more likely to have one of those outside linebackers step up to be the fourth defensive end, mm-hmm. right? You, yep, we for think. sure. So, you know, um, in pass rushing situations, that's not the guy you necessarily want. But based on this, if it's me, based on this roster. If I'm moving to a four, it's it's one of those those edge rushers. It's one of those outside linebackers stepping up to be a, a defensive end. Yeah, you. I, in my opinion, Shelby Harris goes to the one technique. Draymond Jones goes to the three technique, and then you got your two edge rushers and Chubb and Vaughn, and let's go make magic. Uh, but Purcell still valuable, um, especially with the Broncos secondary. If the Broncos can play any with any sort of offensive potency this year and play with a lead. Uh, you'll see Purcell off the field more and more. But if teams are trying to, you know, take the air out of the football so to speak. Um, Purcell is going to have to hang in there. And I think uh, George Payton, man, you got me all messed up now, Scott. I was like, oh my God, is it Patton? I'm sorry. It's okay. Um, George Payton, uh, he saw last year with the Vikings that if you lose depth in the second or in the defensive line, you know, maybe it's not the most valuable position on your defense, but it's really very much a have or have not position because if you're getting beat up, beat up up front, everything falls. It's a house of yeah, cards. And it's, it's one of those positions where you, you don't undervalue, you, you kind of undervalue it. And it's like, Oh, what you're, what are you going to do if you don't have that guy? It's like, it's not the point that he's not important. It's just that they're replaceable. You know, that's a fairly easy, easy position to, to try and fill 
theoretically is a, is a defensive, but you hear that all the time when we start talking about positional values. It's like, well, we're not talking about taking playing with 10 and taking somebody off the field. We're just saying that he might be a little easier to replace than a cornerback or an offensive tackle, so to speak. We talk about that with backs all the time. You know, they're, they're of course they're important. They're just replaceable. And uh, Jay's asking us, uh, what's a one versus a three technique? I pulled up a defensive uh, technique alignments there for you. So the one is kind of a, sh- a shaded nose tackle. Um, sometimes you maybe you'd see him play like a two eye in that four three front. Uh, three technique lined up over the guard. And a lot of times for a classic four three defense, you'll see a the defensive end lined up way outside shoulder. Not way outside. That'd be a nine technique. Like a, that's why it's called a wide nine front. Um, but the, your defensive end lining up at a seven technique there. So hopefully that answered it a little bit. I know it's uh, really simplifying it, but um, you know it's imp- it's kind of fun to talk I'll about that up again. Let's you know oh. we'll talk talk about it a little bit more. Okay, one second because um, I just closed it. <laughs> about about some of the differences. Oh, the the uh, and and the the where they line up typically depends on what formation you're running. If you're running a three four that nose guard slash tackle is going to be one of the zero or the ones. They're, they're head up over the center, whereas if you're playing a 4-3 and a defensive tackle, they're usually that 2-I or straight-up 2s where they're trying to push the gaps. And then the ends, depending on situations, if you're if you're a, a super fast guy, you got a linebacker coming up, he, he may be in that 9. On the other side, outside, he may be starting so far out wide that that tackle's going, good Lord, he's going to have a full head of steam by the time he gets there. So – when you're the three four that the Denver Broncos play as a base, you're going to see uh, you're going to see Purcell in that that zero or one spot a lot, and they might shift, they might go head up, they might go head up, but you see you'll see a shift here and there, but they don't typically want to give too much away because there's only three three on the line. Mm-hmm. Yep, absolutely, and if you can find guys who can play a lot of uh, a lot of techniques effectively, those are the special ones. I mean, JJ Watt plays nine six seven five four. Four I three sometimes two like you know Clayus Campbell is another one as yeah, well. You get a guy everything. six five three hundred pounds that runs like that, you can put him anywhere. I mean, yep. you you can put him anywhere across the line, and he's going to be effective. They're 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 not easy to find. Yep, exactly. Um, we got a question here from Peter, and uh, let's get to it since he showed us the love. Let's show him some love. Uh, who is the returner if the Broncos get rid of Deontay Spencer? So going for a uh, special teams here from the defensive line. Um, I think you'd have KJ Hamler as the punt returner. And then you'd have uh, Tyree Cleveland as the kick returner. That's that's how I have it in my head. If you move on from uh, Deontay Spencer, um, does it make sense to drop one of the running backs back there? Not Gordon, but if you want to get some early touches uh, for Javante Williams, maybe. Um, as a I don't returner? know, but it's a it's a thought. You know, he he can catch the ball. Um, special teams is usually a good way to start getting guys' feet wet as they're coming into a team, get them used to the big stage. So. Maybe that's just a thought um, might might be crazy, but might not be. Yeah, I mean, it's only uh, crazy until it works. Uh, Clayton here. I'm coming in here. There's not many running backs back there at, at, at punt return for sure. It's it's almost always a defensive back or a wide receiver, but just something that might make sense to me. Did you see I don't know how much college football you watch, but uh, Alabama has a tight end that they've been using as a kick returner. I, I didn't. I didn't. I don't. Oh. I don't remember seeing that. If if anybody could have done it, who's the 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 best receiving tight end I ever saw coming out of high school was OJ Howard. Um, mm. You know, and for one reason or another, it just hasn't hit for him. Part of the reason was at Alabama. You know, he's one of five receivers, um, yeah. and I don't know if it's, it's. But he was he was the best receiving tight end I ever scouted. Um, so I could picture someone like him, you know, doing that, or you know, Kyle Pitts. Could you picture Kyle Pitts returning kicks? Yeah, probably. 
Hmm, that would be great. I want to see uh, <laughs> stand on the goal line because every so many of them go into the end zone. Now he's standing on the goal line and catch them at seven, eight feet in the air, so they so he can get a return. There you go. Ah, man, he, that would be a lot of fun. I, Evan Ingram could do it as well, a little smaller, shiftier. So another you have wide receivers another, who are faster. Another, another another Georgia kid. Yeah, all that talent down there in the south. Uh, Clayton coming in saying, "Smash the like button, guys!" And uh, what kind of coffee are you drinking? Um, I am a. Uh, I don't know if I'm ashamed to say, but uh, there's a local coffee roaster back in Iowa that uh, we actually get coffee from them uh, shipped out here because we like to support local business out there. It's actually a you know, and I heard about the uh, the guys in Iowa who are importing their corn from Seattle. So that's that's fair. <laughs> that's exactly why it's so funny. So we actually get coffee roasted um, <laughs> from a, sometimes we also get some from here in Seattle. But uh, there's a local coffee roaster that uh, we really wanted to keep up and running with uh, everything going on in the world. So we are trying to support them because they do a lot of good work in the community as well. Um, so yeah, I even have my, it's, this is just for beer, but uh, it says drink local. So support local businesses guys. If you can, I, uh, I order mine from cafe Brit. They're uh, Costa Rican and mm-hmm. I went to Costa Rica 10, 12 years ago and had some there Rica. and I've been, I've been supporting them uh, ever since. And now that they, they, they raise their prices online and I was like, I don't want to buy it through Amazon. Uh, mm-hmm. But now they give enough specials at Cafe Brit. If you sign up to the newsletter, that I, I drink Cafe Brit. Uh, I already had mine early this morning because with no air conditioning in my basement, I was drinking coffee during the show the other day and I was breaking out in a sweat. <laughs> so I got to get my air fixed. Now it's just a little water. Man, uh, that's uh, that's crazy. I went to Cafe Brit as well. Um, I went to Costa Rica four years ago, like today. I was actually having the, the Snapchat memories come up and I uh, went to Cafe Brit as well. <clears throat> My favorite part of Costa Rica was probably we spent three days in Arenal in the, the hot springs in the jungle there. Oh, yep, we, very we, fun. We did, we did too. Um, my favorite was that I'm a, a scuba dive though. So the, the big marine life in the, in the, off the shores was, that's still my favorite part of any trip. Anyway, Pacific thank side? you for the coffee talk. Pacific coffee or talk. Caribbean? Talk. I got to know though. Pacific or Caribbean? Uh, pro- probably I've done much more in the Caribbean. Um, okay. but the Maldives blows everything away. So okay. that's Indian for sure. Um, the Maldives islands blew everything away without a doubt. It's like, what's your number one trip? It's Maldives. And then there's a bunch that are close. Well, there you go. That's awesome. Um, Sean coming in here saying, I'm hoping in betting Alexander transcends to a new level this year. Um, we'll, we'll get to linebackers probably next week. I think this is going to be a good uh, format here for us to get us through some of the, um, multiple shows and uh, dead time. So we'll get to linebackers next week. Um, I think Alexander maybe is what he is, um, but that's fine. You don't have to have a total transcendent talent there. As long as he's not out there making mistakes, it's fine. Um, football lives, football lives and does in the trenches. There you go, Matt. Good comment. Yeah, lives and dies out of correct. Well, you're correct. Um, Mo Ron coming in here. Why does it seem to me the only place on D with adequate depth is cornerback? Um, I think it's a relativity thing here because cornerback has so much unbelievable depth that uh, there's no team in the league that probably can compare maybe outside of Baltimore. Uh, so it makes the rest of the Broncos roster look somewhat thin, but I mean, you have Von Miller, Bradley Chubb and Malik Reed for this season. That's pretty darn good for, compared to most teams. Well, um, and, and I have a comment on that, Nick, who has depth, you know, yeah. the, the NFL is set up to make it so that you can't keep your players, you know, you're, you're they make it so that you have to draft, they handicap it. It's a very, Marxist system that are in in the the franchise model of American sports that I think is anti-American. 
but they do their best to make everybody equal. So who has adequate depth at different positions? There's not a ton across the board. Nope. You know, the highest, the, the, the starters get paid a lot more and then you're filling in guys as backups. That's just how it is. Yep. That's, that's a salary cap league. With- and, and if you have depth, you're not going to keep it because the guy that's in backup, he's, he's going to leave as a free agent because that's just how it is. Yeah. Bronco fans should know about that with uh, Shaquille uh, Barrett moving on from the Broncos. Uh, never really got a chance to start there. And uh, Broncos didn't act because of that. Also, they didn't exactly know what they had in him. Um, they knew he was talented, but he went to Tampa Bay, get a full-time gig and blossomed into one of the better stories and edge rushers in football. So, uh, you know, that's, I've had been in a conversation. I think it was, uh, gosh, um, Matt, uh, Stiff, Staffario, uh, in here, if I pronounce your name wrong, get, uh, get at me. But, um, <laughs> on Facebook, we were going back and forth talking about the Bradley Chubb pick. Um, cause it just transcended from, uh, our conversation on Tuesday. And uh, he said that he would have gone in many different directions. Um, then Bradley Chubb didn't like the pick of the time, et cetera, et cetera. And the only one that I can think of at five overall, that would have been better in hindsight, uh, given who was available was Josh Allen. Now, if I could be, have the, you know, the wizard hat on and do everything different, I'd have traded back twice, nabbed Jair Alexander, nabbed Lamar Jackson. And now we're really cooking, but uh, Bradley Chubb, as far as uh, what he's done for the fifth overall, he's not Chase Young. He's not Miles Garrett. He's a damn good edge rusher, though, and one of the better uh, under 25-year-old uh, edge rushers in the league. So uh, let's get to this uh, real quick. Josiah Hicks. Hey, Nick, it's your favorite Mississippian. Good to see you, Josiah. Hope you're doing well. Um, looks like a fun wedding picture on there. Uh, congratulations. Um, Brian Greenfield with a $5 uh, super over on YouTube. Thank you very much, Brian. Good to see you. Uh, Max Power coming in here with $2 or two pounds. Two pounds sign Sosa Hajim will get six sacks this year hashtag bookmark me all right Maxwell I don't think we can bookmark uh, comments but uh, we're gonna hold you to that that would be absolutely fantastic um and uh yeah let's get to it here real quick um about the the rest of the defensive line because we're already half an hour in and we talked Mike Purcell um and that's it um <laughs> Shelby Harris he's somebody that the Broncos last year they played hardball with him um and he is market a lot of people were pointing him to the Indianapolis Colts. This is two years ago. And the Colts go out there and trade for uh, DeForest Buckner, probably one of the top three to five defensive linemen in football right now, interior defensive linemen. And um, Shelby Harris's market goes cold. So Broncos bring him back on a one-year deal, very cheap. Um, and this year he plays even better, um, has a great season, and uh, is back to the Broncos now on a three-year deal which is essentially a two-year deal um if he plays great then they'll keep him but it's essentially a two-year deal um the way i remember it that's kind of how all contracts are these days right that last year is the way they set it up not a lot of guarantees all you got to do is look at the dead cap number on uh on and you'll know when that that contract ends yep when's the dead cap go from 100 percent of the of the value to about 25 percent of the value that's the end of his contract right there yep Yes, it is. It's a uh, it's weird how football does that, but uh, it's also interesting as well. It makes for a lot of fun math. Um, but yeah, Shelby Harris, he was really good last year. Um, he's one of the more dynamic uh, personalities in the locker room as well, which makes him a fan favorite. Um, I thought that entering two seasons ago when a lot of Broncos fans, oh, you got to bring him back. You got to bring him back. I thought he was a little bit overrated. Um, but this year he played, he took steps forward. He played be- his best year of his career, in my opinion. Um, and um uh, I'm really excited to see what he can do with Von Miller and Bradley Chubb on the field. Is he ever going to be a top 10 interior defensive lineman? Probably not, but he's really good and he's 
easily starting quality. So uh, yeah. I'm excited to see him this year. He doesn't have to be. That, that was a no. thing, and, and, and Nick will appreciate this as an Iowa fan. We're saying it's like, well, this team has all these five-star guys or all these first-round picks. It, in football, you only need two or three difference makers, period. And then you need a bunch of guys that can do their jobs, that, that program guys, that are franchise guys, that are, that are professionals, that can do their jobs. And then you've got a few stars that make the difference. So he doesn't have to be a top 10 guy. If you've got the front three doing their jobs and Von Miller and Bradley Chubb do their thing, you're fine. The, the front seven is taken care of. It's it's plus. Yeah, nope, exactly. So you got the uh, the $9 million a year uh, contract here. We have some people saying uh, $9 million isn't steep for Shelby at all. Um, here is Mo Ron saying Harris is a great teammate, but $9 million a year seems steep for him. Um, I would say nine is pretty fair. Like Chase is saying here, that's about what I expected for his market <clears throat> and uh, starting caliber defensive lineman. Um, maybe. Yeah, so what's 10, the, but, you know, what's the, uh, the salary cap? Let's, let's just round up and say it's about 200 million, right? It's like 180 mm-hmm. and change 200 million. So if you round up and say 10, that's one twentieth. starting 22. It's your starting defensive end, a premium position, one twentieth of your total salary. Yeah. That sounds about yeah. right to me. And we got Josiah saying Shelby's a difference maker. Um, so I think about $9 million is correct. Uh, two years. They're also paying him for what he's done. Also, he's really taken to Bill Kolar as well for the Broncos, who's really, you know, whipped his butt and get him into place. So that's good. Max with a good comment here. Um, Jordan Phillips is getting $10 million a year for one flash season. Um, one flash season he had two years ago. Shelby's a much better player. Uh, Jordan Phillips does have the, I believe he was a very early second round pick, which helps a lot as well. Um, but the, uh, that's fine. And yeah, we got Mo Ron saying Carl Nassib got 8.5. So that's there's, the Raiders. There's bad contracts everywhere. Go look at what Dante Fowler got paid last year. Um, you know, yeah. it was, it was, I think 15 million. And I think he had a sack maybe. Um, so, uh, but you know, going through this, Nick, you know, we started off uh, just doing my homework a little bit, you know, Mike, Mike Purcell season ending injury, Shelby Harris, Injury, but they felt good enough to sign into another contract. So you figure that one's about done. But I, I can see why there was concern. Let's talk about the line. Let's talk about the line. Let's talk about the line. I can see why there was concern because if there is a spot that isn't, if, if you're going by unit, there's a drop off from linebacker and uh, and secondary to the defensive line. Would you agree? Yeah. No, I, I definitely agree. Um, yeah, for sure. We got Glenn coming in here. Ooh, this is an interesting one. Do you think that Chubb would be a part of any potential Rodgers trade? If I was the Packers, he'd be the guy that I'd ask for the most. Uh, I'd say I need Bradley Chubb and one of Cortland Sutton, uh, Jerry Judy, and Noah Fant, plus a first-round pick. If I am if I was the one com- approaching the Broncos, which that would hurt. But uh, you're also trading a uh, MVP quarterback, so it's probably going to hurt. We can get into that one in more depth uh, later. <laughs> For sure. That would be that would be that'd be tough for me. I wouldn't want to give up two key pieces of my team to add another key piece. That's a it's not a net negative, but it's not the positive leap forward that you would hope for. Yeah, no, absolutely. Those are two of your you're asking for two of the most important building blocks on your team. Um, but uh, it's probably going to hurt either way if you bring in a yeah they got they're building blocks. They're, they're, they're not just talented. They're they're young. Yep, absolutely. Um, how many sacks will uh, Chubb and Miller get hopefully double digits each. Um, I'm, I'm going to put it just because injuries can happen. I think probably one of them gets about 8.5 and another one gets 11. Um, that's on the low end. But if the offense is not struggling and not turning the ball over, like, you know, giving away a handy or candy at Halloween, um, then uh, you'll hopefully get a little higher number there. 
Um, so uh, Shelby Harris, do you have any thoughts on Shelby Harris? He's a, I think he was a fifth round pick or sixth round pick. Maybe, no, he's a seventh round pick. Seventh round pick of the Raiders. Yep. Yes. And, uh, you know, 49 tackles, six sacks. And then he was off to a, he was one of those advanced statistic guys last year mm-hmm. before, before he got hurt. It was like, okay, 32 tackles, two and a half sacks, but he's leading the team in like pressures or leading the league in pressures and, and that type yeah. of stuff for an, for a, a three, four lineman. So yeah, doing one of those guys that the numbers aren't, the, the raw numbers aren't going to do him justice. So he was he was doing damage, and uh, again, you you see that season-ending injury, but then they resign him. The Broncos say we're good. We've had the medical staff take a look at him. We're good with his injury. So I, I don't think there's as much concern there as with with someone like Mike Purcell, because you've had a full look at him. You feel good about it. This isn't a recurring thing. It's fully healed. Now there's just risk of injury that happens with every player, every down, every NFL. No more or less with Shelby Harris, and that's that's a good thing. Yeah, no, uh, that's that's very true. I'm excited to see Shelby this year. He's he's the known quantity for that defensive line. If he goes down, I'm concerned, but he has been pretty healthy uh, so far in his career. Um, Glenn asking, would you let Shelby Harris date your sister? Um, I don't know, Shelby. He seems fun. So, uh, yes, although my sister is uh, engaged, so maybe not. And he also says uh, he's married, so no. What's <laughs> so that's really yeah, Ooh, <laughs> that's true. <laughs> I think he's a proud father as well. So uh, congratulations to Shelby Harris. Um, let's keep it going here on the defensive line. And the next guy, and somebody that you've mentioned a few times on here uh, as well that you're excited about is uh, Draymond Jones. Mm-hmm. He's entering his third year in the NFL, uh, former Ohio State defensive lineman, uh, third-round draft pick in that very talented draft class for the Broncos uh, just a few years ago. Um, and he's his rookie season. I think he had six and a half sacks, eight and a half sacks, six and a half sacks, I believe, off the top of my head. Um, had it up here. Let me see if I can, uh, I can find him. I don't think he had that many as rookie season. Maybe it was last year then. I thought he had, uh, yeah, last year he finished with six and a half, but it was three and a half over the final four games. Yes. Cause um, he was injured. He, he missed, on. he missed three games, uh, where they put him on the, the, the IR, which is strange because it was a, more like uh, you know a disabled list. I don't think you're allowed to even call it disabled list anymore. Um, but then he finished strong. But you, you look at it, and it's like you you tell me. You know the numbers were good, but it was like if he wasn't getting a sack, kind of the old the old Buddy Ryan line about or uh, yeah, not Buddy Ryan. You'll have to remind who coached the Eagles and said about Chris Carter. Might have been Buddy Ryan. Uh, all he does is catch touchdown passes. You know, all, all, he does is, all he does is sack the quarterback, you know, so you'd have one tackle, one sack. So how how did he do? Was he a guy that showed up, was doing his job? Because you watched him for the whole season, or is he one guy that would disappear for all the game and then get a sack and all of a sudden his numbers look good? You know, the Mark Gastineau type. Mark Gastineau would disappear for – you may not even remember him. Mark Mark Gastineau would make uh, one play. He, he invented one of the – he was one of the first sack dance guys for the New York Jets. And, um, you know, he, he'd disappear for – three and a half quarters, make one sack and go crazy. So tell me. <laughs> uh, Draymond Jones, I wouldn't say has been super consistent so far in his career. Um, as far as like game to game impact, getting pressures like crazy, winning like crazy. Um, so the fact that he is finishing and getting sacks, there is value to that. But I would say that he's not yet a consistent disruptor. Um, he can be. He's dealt with uh, injuries that have kind of marred his progress uh, both the last two seasons. And that's worth noting as well. Um, but uh, he is getting after the quarterback a decent rate. I am curious. He doesn't face many doubles. And I think that's part of partially playing the three technique. It's partially playing with Chubb and or Von Miller there, but um, no, he's played with both. 
Yes, exactly. You know? So if, if he if he can if he can win those that that stat you brought up that you put up on Tuesday, you know if his pass rush percentage of wins can increase, he shouldn't see many more double teams. And if he does, Von Miller and Bradley Chubb are going to eat. Yeah. No, exactly. And I think there's one for the defensive line as well. And uh, Draymond Jones was not as high in the right corner as you'd hope um, because he didn't face that many double teams and his win rate wasn't as high. Um, So he needs to get more consistent there in winning. Um, He needs to continue to fill out his frame. I think it was at Ohio State because he wore that number 85. Just didn't look right. I was like, man, that's a skinny guy. He's not really skinny. Just wearing 85 as a defensive lineman. Um, But uh, I'm expecting a big year from him this season. The Broncos still have two years of control left of Draymond Jones as well. So also year three of a defensive lineman. That's typically when you really see what that guy's made of. Um, and hopefully can figure out what they're going to be for their career. Cause it sometimes it takes time for the, the body types to develop. Uh, the league is totally different, even playing for Ohio state in a program like that with the, their phenomenal defensive line coach. Um, but I think he's gonna have a good year this year. And I want to put it to you. Uh, who's going to be the more impactful defensive lineman for the Broncos this year. If you had to bet Draymond Jones, who's an ascending player or Shelby Harris, who's definitely the, the known quantity. I think they're both very talented, both uh, average to better starters for the defensive line. Um, I, I, um, I like that yeah. ascending quality. I mean, Shelby had a great year last year and it didn't necessarily show the numbers. So talking about, you know, you get the feeling just based on raw data, Shelby's the one that saw the double teams last year, you know, and was still making plays. But if Von Miller and Bradley Chubb are healthy, these two guys, Harris and Jones should both, have really good seasons. And again, if they don't get the numbers, it means they're being double teamed. Hopefully if they're double teamed, someone else is going to have big numbers. So again, we talk about synergy a lot and how everything's connected, how one thing affects the other. And these guys on the edges should just feed off one another and they should help, help, help them. uh, Each one of them. If it's not one guy, you talk about how do we stop this guy? Cause you can't just stop one guy on this defense. There just should be four of them that, are, that can get up to the quarterback. And that's, that's going to be fun. Yeah. And us Dave saying, uh, Shelby makes things happen. And Peter saying Shelby's one of my favorites. Um, so I have a hard time with this one. I'd probably go with Draymond Jones as well, just cause he's cheaper. He's younger. And I agree with you about the ascending guy. You want to get a guy who's that's going on with their career, you know, getting there, up there rather than plateau. There's some gas to no comments coming in here. And I just remember, uh, Gaston put up big numbers and he, he invented the sack dance. One time he was dancing after he forced a fumble and he ended up kicking the ball. So he got in trouble for that. He did a freak out dance. He didn't like, you know, do anything choreographed. I just remember one of the offensive tackles that went against him. He's like, he, he just wasn't a big fan of Gaston. I said, you kick his ass for 80 plays. He gets one sack and act like he just won the Super Bowl. So uh, that was one of my bigger memories of Mark Gaston. He's an 80s guy too, Nick. So, you know, I, I remember more guys from the 80s than I do from the 2000s. <laughs> <laughs> formative years ah man that's uh i feel that way about probably early 2000s um football because how much madden i played i'd literally just go through the rosters like crazy oh where'd they go what draft pick blah 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 I do redrafts all the time it was it was a lot of fun that's how i learned um, hockey i, I took i don't i do not say this lightly i was the greatest nhl 95 ea sports hockey player around if they had e-games then i would have made it i would have been i would have been a made man <laughs> Ah, uh, man. Frozen stick ball is what we call it up here. There's a lot of people excited about the cracking up here in uh, the Pacific Northwest. See a lot of that gear. So maybe we'll have to get out to a game. I just need the, I want the Sonics to come back. That's what we need. I, I, I'm about that life. A lot of people, I'd buy one of the jerseys. I'm not really a big basketball guy, but if the Sonics were here, probably enjoy them. 
Uh, Peter Middleton saying that he's going with Jones for potential Shelby for his persona and his betting. Um, we should merge them into one superstar. Well, uh, unfortunately it doesn't work that way or for his batting, <laughs> not betting. There we go. Um, but, uh, that would be great. That would be fun. Um, Oh, we got gauntlet thrown. I think I could take you in NHL 95, Scott. You know, I was, uh, this was a different life for me. I mean, it was a long time ago. I was uh, football Saturday at Auburn. I'm sitting on the, on the, uh, on the floor playing hockey, drinking beer at, you know, 10 in the morning. And one of my fraternities, little brother, one of his, his little brother showed up. He's like, he walks in and he goes, he goes, what are you playing? I was like, hockey. He's like, Oh, I'll kill you. I'm like, all right, have a seat kid. It was like 15 and up. And he's like, well, you're good at, you're good at this. I'm like, I'm sitting in, you know, on the floor of a fraternity dorm room, Drinking beer at 10 a.m. playing hockey. This is what I do. This is my life. <laughs> like you're not gonna, you're not gonna beat me. Yeah, yeah. That's uh, Corey Johnson. Did you play the version of Madden where you can write your own plays? Yes, I did. Um, good times. I messed with those a bit. I wasn't the best Madden player ever, though. I, mean, I was solid. Like I would kill the computer. Um, I beat one of my. Speaking of fraternity, I beat one of my fraternity brothers. It was 100 and nothing at halftime, and I was just running the football with Tebow. Um, that's literally all I was doing to T-Bone and Wills McGahee. Um, but uh, that was a those that was a different time. I have not played a video game in probably years now. Like COVID hit, and I'm just like, you know what? I need to get outside more, and uh, that's life. Getting so getting back on topic. Let me uh, let me take us back here. Sure. I, I want you to tell me a little bit about Deshaun Williams because on paper his story is just awesome. Um, you know, I, I love the guys that have scrapped and fought and clawed. Uh, you know, practice squad, CFL. You know, you look at his his wiki page and it says 2016, 2020. You know, I'm like, well, what happened to him in between here? So, you know, what have you seen with with him? Because I was a, you know, I, I love stories like that. And I just think we talk about guys that will do a job, guys that you can count on when when it's fourth mm-hmm. quarter entire. A guy like Deshaun Williams is never going to quit, not ever. No. Nope. And if he's on your team, he's making everybody better. He's like a Rudy type. You know, he's yep. pushing everybody else to get better because, you know, he's he's seen the other side of things and he's never going to quit. Yeah. Deshaun Williams, uh, he's actually been a you see him flash at number 90 um, for the Broncos. He's been around the league for uh, a good bit here, waved off different teams, Cincinnati, Denver, Miami, Indy, uh, Denver, Denver again. again. Um, so, yeah, he's had a uh, he's bounced around kind of, kind of like Shelby Harris early on as well. Um, I thought that he flashed a good bit out there when he was actually playing for the Broncos. Um, he's not the twitchiest guy ever. He's not the biggest guy ever. Um, and would I feel comfortable if he was a a starter for the Broncos at under uh, six foot and like 290 pounds? Mm-hmm. No, probably not. You don't want him out there. But if he can be your fourth or fifth uh, defensive lineman, you can find a rotation for him and he's going to give you some quality snaps. But I think this is where people are talking about the the depth kind of scaring them for the interior defensive line. Um, if you lose Shelby Harris or Draymond Jones, it's probably Deshaun Williams. Who's the first mm-hmm. guy up unless uh, McTelvin regime takes some uh, steps forward, which he might year two. Um, but uh, that's, that does kind of concern me. He's definitely a rotational player. There is some value there, but I do not see him as uh, somebody who you can come in and I would feel any bit comfortable with uh, starting over years and years or uh, weeks and weeks. Yeah, no, I just I, I just love the story on there. And again, you know, it's not a guy you want in the starter, but you want on the team. You know, you yeah. want him, you want him as part of the team because again, he's got better perspective than a, a lot of these other guys um, who have been at the top um, and will work harder. You know, who, who's going to outwork Deshaun Williams on that team? Anybody? 
I don't know. I'm, they'll probably, there's probably somebody out there that's working as hard, but on the defensive line, I mean, he's, he's definitely a scrapper. He hasn't been given every single gift, but he's still out there fighting to hang on and right. uh, make that money and be, I, a, just, uh, I just think it's good, good to have at least one of those guys around. Um, yeah. Just to remind everybody what it can be like. It's like, dude, you were playing with Calgary stampede. I didn't even know they had football. Where's Canada? Um, you know, so I, I, I think that's a, a really good story. And we mentioned, uh, McTelvin Ajim, uh, 6'3", 309, uh, a third-round pick. Didn't see a ton of him last year, I would think, uh, no, based not, on his not numbers. So, you know, where what are the expectations for him in year two? Uh, he needs to get out there and show that he can hang um, with the defensive line. He's somebody who – Arkansas played a weird defense. They played more of like a 3-3-5. So he was a an end, but essentially it was like a – defense like they played three defensive tackles right mm-hmm. um so because of that and where he played i thought that he had pretty poor pad level because he was going up against tackles a lot of time and then moving to the interior mm-hmm. you didn't see that functional strength transfer over and because of that he was getting washed out too often and also um because he was playing high uh center of gravity he ended up on the ground more often than you'd want he's pretty nimble on his feet uh when he's not touched like the agility you'll see him actually at Arkansas rock a spin move, which for a 300 plus pound guy is pretty, pretty darn fun um, and not lose his balance at all. He's still getting after the quarterback. Um, but big thing for me with uh, Ajim is pretty classic for a defensive lineman, uh, especially a day two one. He needs to add functional strength so he can anchor at the point of attack and not get uh, washed out and be a, uh, a sieve, uh, so to speak, uh, in run defense. And uh, he needs to play with better pad level. Uh, it's because I just felt like so too often, um, instead of uh, attacking forward, bursting forward, he would stand up. Like it, it, there's not enough momentum forward. It would be up, and then their pad level is messed up, and th- you're done. Isn't that one of the greatest contradictions in in scouting that football coaches will say low man wins, but then they won't draft a short defensive lineman or offensive tackle or offensive offensive. They won't draft a short lineman. Yeah, say, oh, he's six feet, it's too short. Like, but you're sitting here saying that low man wins, but you don't want the guy that's lower. I. As it's crazy. Well, that's, you know, that's how a guy like, um, you know, Grady Jarrett can follow yep. the fifth round and make a pro bowl, you know, out of Clemson six feet tall, fell to the fifth round. Oops. You know? So I, I actually think the NFL is better about drafting six foot linemen than, than colleges about recruiting them. If you look at the, the big five colleges, they don't ever recruit guys that are six feet tall on the interior line ever, no. but they're chock full of them in the NFL. Yep. No, absolutely. So, uh, that's the big one for me with the regime. Just needs to add functional strength. Needed another year in the league. Also needed a year or two. They, it's a classic case for many uh, college football programs is they ask these college players to do too much instead of perfecting one craft because they're not they're not really thinking about developing these guys for the NFL. They are, but like it's more important for them to try to win games and no, get their guys out. Four or five million dollars on the line as your head coach, and you know yep. two to five hundred thousand dollars for the assistants. They don't care about anything but winning games. Certainly not them going to school and getting a degree and becoming better people. They don't give a crap about any of that stuff. You bite your tongue. Kirk Ferentz cares about every single one of those Hawkeyes um, <laughs> out there. At least uh, he definitely gives off that persona. I'm, I'm Like I said, I'm biased for the Hawks. I always will be. Um, but uh, I meant big time football. No. Sorry. Okay. Now, now it's personal. <laughs> um, but uh, oh, man, Kirk, Kirk Ferentz. Love you, Kirk. Um, but uh, that's – I. Ajim is a guy that needs to step forward this year, right? And if he doesn't, this Broncos team is one that uh, 
is primed to use an early investment on the defensive line next season uh, because it is a developmental position. And then when you're talking about, let's say they'd use a first round pick or a second round pick on a interior defensive lineman next year, you're not expecting them to be a starter year one, um, but more so they're going to be developed uh, rotational that first year and then be able to take over for a Draymond Jones or a Shelby Harris uh, one year later. That's kind of the path for those trench players, especially even first round picks. I mean, we're seeing it right now with uh, Ed Oliver with the bills. I mean, he was, he's an absolute freak a little bit. You're talking about a smaller guy. He is definitely smaller, but I mean, he moves like a, a linebacker for his size and uh, he's raw. He, they played him at like zero technique, one technique and just asked him to fire off the ball at Houston, not developed at all for the NFL. Yeah. yeah he could do whatever he, he could just over athlete guys at yep. Houston. You know, he was, he wasn't asked to, and you know, that's, that's part of the development is when, when we talk about, you know, level of competition, I don't think, in the long haul, it matters, but usually the guys that have played a higher level of competition are ready to compete earlier. That's that's really the only difference. Over over the long haul, it's not a, a big deal, but hopefully that's where where McTelvin ends up. Is you know he needed a year to you know at least a year to figure out how to play the game. Yep, exactly. Um, so that's that's just the case for a lot of these trench player positions. Um, a lot of times it's year two or year three, and it, also if McTelvin regime, if he looks, if we get as little as we got from him last year, I'll be concerned. But it's, if it's not like blowing us away and incredible, he still has a pathway to develop into a, a fine player. And uh, he was also the 95th overall pick, a compensatory pick in the third round. Um, that doesn't guarantee a starter. You'd prefer it to be a starter for sure long-term, but if he can, even if he develop, develops into, let's say the first guy off the bench as a defensive lineman, that's that's okay return for a, what is essentially like an early day three pick. Yeah, he's a, he's a, at the end of his 2023 contract, he's a one and a half million cap hit. That's 0.75% of, yeah. of, of, of 200 million cap. Okay. If he, but hopefully you don't want him just taking up space though. You know, that, that also means we say it's bad to be old and expensive. Well, it's also bad to be, you know, cheap and non-productive because you're real expendable, real expendable. So, you know, hopefully he, he, uh, he steps it up this year. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, uh, we have a few more guys we want to touch on here before we probably get out of here. We've we touched on the the big five that uh, I'm the most comfortable with on um, the Broncos did draft uh, Marquis Spencer in the seventh round this year from Mississippi state. He, I would assume he gets a year on the practice squad. Um, pretty raw. Uh, he was, I believe a four-star um, athlete at Mississippi before going to Mississippi state, but um, he's got some work to do. So I, I think you probably put him on the back burner and uh, hopefully the Broncos can protect him and he'll stick around there. Um, but that's one for me. Um, and the other one I want to talk about here is uh, Shamar Steven. Uh, the Broncos went out and actually brought him in from Minnesota. So George Payton um, has familiarity with him. Uh, he's one that uh, we are interested in seeing. And uh, he's one that I think we're talking a lot about Deshaun Williams. I'm more comfortable with Deshaun Williams because I watched him with the Broncos last year more than I've watched uh, the Vikings with uh, Shamar Steven. But I think he definitely has a chance to come in and uh, um, push for that position. And uh, he's got one of those things that you were talking about Unfortunately, like the leverage is not always the best, but six five, um, he's got length, and that's going to matter for that three technique, five technique position for the Broncos, where they can cover uh, multiple gaps um, and uh, hopefully impact the run game. Yeah, you 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 froze up on me a little bit. I, that might be on my end. I'm connected to a secondary router because, well, long story. Um, <laughs> so uh, I, there's there's nobody on here that I that pops out to me is like, oh yeah, that's a steal. That that guy can play. He was off for this reason or that reason. So I'm gonna leave that leave that one to you. 
Yeah, but uh, Shamar Steven is one that I think uh, could make some moves because the Broncos went out there and paid him. Maybe he's just a backup, uh, but I think he's got a chance to make the team because they identified him and brought him in. Um, so, uh, oh, might have been me that froze there. I'd, I don't know, guys. Probably it's because I was pulling up a, a draft profile <laughs> for that player. Um, but, uh, yeah, he was uh, projected as a day three or four pick, played uh, for Connecticut, uh, long player. So uh, we'll see. I'm excited to see him this year. He's one that I will be trying to identify in uh, preseason play. So watch out for Shamar Stevens. And we got Glenn Hauser coming here with the stars. Um, thank you very much, Glenn. And uh, excited to join you tonight to talk some football with you as well on your show. Um, hopefully I'm not freezing again. I see that I have uh, two bars on my connection. So uh, what's the rest of the day look like, Scott, before we get on out of here? And I think we'll talk uh, linebackers next Tuesday. Yeah, um, going to get some work done. I still owe you that Malik Willis video, so that is going to happen today. That's going to happen today. Um, going to catch USA Friendly at 9.30 Eastern time. Going to watch a, watch a little soccer. And, uh, and then baseball tryouts, last day of baseball tryouts for 12U for, for the boy. So um, that's been – that's more stressful than you might think. So <laughs> these, this youth sports is just, is just killing me. So uh, I'm uh, I'm looking forward to it's the last day. I'm looking forward to that being done tomorrow. Yeah, absolutely. Um, well, guys, that's going to have to do it for us. We're going to get on out of here. I uh, want to give a shout out to everybody who joined us today and contributed to the show. We got Andrew Morrow, Peter Middleton, Kyle Wielden, Michael Ronquillo, Gary Leeds Palmer, Brian Greenfield, Max Power, and Glenn Hauser. Man, you guys coming in hot, uh, helping us so much uh, with the with the off season, right? Like it's dead time. And sometimes, Oh man, what are we going to get eyeballs in here? Are people going to want to enjoy the show and talk with us? Uh, you guys are helping, helping a heck of a lot. Uh, also shout out to everybody joining us in the comment section today. Thank you so much. If uh, you guys are enjoying the show, make sure you follow us on Twitter uh, at Nick Kendall, MHH for myself and at scout Kennedy to follow uh, Scott, of course. And also if you guys are following Scott, you would like Scott, make sure you follow his channel as well. I'm going to post it in the, chat here for you guys to follow but it's uh, youtube.com forward slash c forward slash scott kennedy hopefully we can get you up to a thousand here um before let's uh, september i think that's I say september a- one i think we yeah. should we should do it september one once uh once july 31st hits uh and, and camps start going and, and and all that type of thing for college nfl i'm gonna start you know going doing a lot more on that and again i, I like hitting I like hitting the, the big picture stuff. So I'll, I'll do a lot of NFL draft talk um, and, and, and overviews and then have guys like you come in as guests to talk about your, your respective teams. Well, there we go. That'd be a lot of fun. And uh, I see now that you sent us a piece of uh, a redraft and you have uh, Jerry Judy still going to the Broncos. Um, there, yeah, but... that was uh, maybe we hit that one next week. That Luke Easterling, who we worked with at, at Sports Illustrated when he was there and when I was there, uh, was running the Tampa Bay site, is doing uh, DraftWire. I think he's one of their lead draft analysts. And he did a, a redraft, a hindsight draft. Mm-hmm. Denver Bronco took Jerry Judy. So, and, and for me, this goes back to why I believe in local at least focused content providers, because I get the feeling of the players available. The majority of Broncos fans might take someone else that's hmm. still available after, after Jerry Judy. So that that's my hunch, but that'll be an interesting topic uh, later. Yeah, for sure. And uh, Justin Herbert going number one, oh, man, it's uh, AFC West is going to be hard guys. <laughs> God, please lock, 
please, Drew Lock, do something this year. Um, but uh, guys, that's gonna do it for us. Make sure you follow us um, on Twitter as well at Mile High Huddle. Go to Facebook and follow us, facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle Pod and facebook.com forward slash Mile High Huddle. If you're joining us on YouTube today, make sure you subscribe, like, and share. And again, thank you to everybody who joined us today. Have a good day, everyone. Oh, Miller707 coming in a little late, uh, saying, what's up, Broncos fam? Way late, but better late than never. Well, you got here in time to uh, to get your comments up, so there you go. Um, here we go, U.S. Dave saying, the best MHH program. Man, Dave, that's, uh, that's very nice of you. DBA saying, thanks, guys. Um, we also got uh, Moron saying, uh, thanks for the show. Uh, appreciate all you guys. I didn't see Greg Smith today to say hello and goodbye. So hope, hope you're doing well, hello, Greg. Greg. Um, but, uh, we'll see you guys next Tuesday, um, for another episode. Everyone stay safe. Uh, hope you're enjoying your summer. Go Broncos. One week closer.